Blog Talk Radio. And now on Blog Talk Radio, you're listening to Wine Talk with Stu the Wine Guru. Welcome to Wine Talk for today, Wednesday, May 5th, 2010. It's 7 p.m. Eastern, and I'm your host, Stu the Wine Guru, coming to you live from beautiful Coral Springs, Florida, as I always do. As you know, I'll take your calls anytime during the show at 1-646-381-4860 or email me your questions at info at com, or you can go to the chat room here on the show page and chat with other wine enthusiasts and ask me any questions you like. I want to say thanks to all the listeners out there for getting the word out about my show. Welcome to all of you listening worldwide. I call that... The power of the people meets the power of the Internet. Now, if you want to find out more about me, just Google Stu the Wine Guru. You can find the websites, videos, articles, all the shows I'm currently a part of. Now, speaking of articles and reviews, I'm writing wine articles and reviews for Yahoo and The Examiner, so look for those as well. I've also made a Wine 101 series of videos that can be viewed on both YouTube, my website, just about anywhere on the Internet. So when you go on to uh, Google, you can find it in just about now almost any language. <laughs> it's been translated into a bunch of different languages. It's kind of nice. Um, all right, so we're going to talk about some wine tonight. We have got a fantastic show for you tonight. Of course, as I always say, the number to call in, 1-646-381-4860. Or if you're shy and you prefer the computer, of course, email me your questions at info at com. As always, I've opened a chat room, as I mentioned at the top of the show, for the listeners to go into and chat amongst themselves about wine, ask me any questions, or answer the question of the night. And I'll check into the chat room live periodically during the show and answer those questions. So I see we've got a few people in there at the moment. Hi to Andrew and hi to Felix. Later in the show, my question of the night is, what is the most expensive bottle you have ever bought and why? Get ready on the phone, get into the chat room, or email me your answer on that one. I'll give you my review of great value-priced wines, Today's wine is a great wine from Italy and around $20, so you'll want to stick around for that. I'll make some red and white wine recommendations in my segments, Stew's Pick of the Week. 
first up, uh, I have an announcement to make on upcoming shows in the next few weeks and months. In addition to having wine-making legends, wine-related product producers, and wine educators on the show, I'll have some surprises, so listen in for them. Stay tuned and tweet, Facebook, Humble, Ning, Shing, use whatever social networking medium you know and get the word out there. Hey, uh, some of these, the names of these uh, <laughs> social networking mediums uh, are really funny that people come up with. And I know they need, you know, just to touch upon that for a second, I know, I don't think there's been any comedian that's ever talked about this, but uh, I think in this day and age, here we are in 2010, and that's how people, you know, they Twitter about literally everything they do on a day-to-day basis. And I think it's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with it, you know. It's got a good, good and bad to it. But the thing that cracks me up is the names that people come up with. They need like a one-word name, you know, Shing, Ming, you know, uh, something that's easy to remember. And I always think to myself, I wonder what it was like to be in on the, you know, marketing meeting uh, with the head of the a company that, you know, they're thinking about coming up with a name and, you know, who bantered it back and forth and what did they come up with in order to come up with the names that they you – know, what, what did they throw away? What did they not use that uh, – that people said, oh, I'm sorry, you know, that's just not going to work, you know. Um, I bet some of them were doozies. So anyway, uh, moving forward, you, the listener, will get a variety of views about wine from a myriad of sources on this show. And I promise, as I always do every week, I will keep it entertaining no matter what, do or die. See, uh, Kim's joined us in the chat room. Welcome, Kim. Remember, if you have any questions, I have answers. Yes, I do. So call me at 1-646-381-4860 or email me at info at Stu the Wine Guru. You can get into the chat room with the uh, people that we have in there now, of course, and uh, voice your opinion. So let's talk about some wine here. All right, so we've got some great value-priced wine to talk about. Today's choice is from Italy. It's a Sangiovese, and it's from the Montalcino area in the Tuscany region. It's a 2006 Col Dorsia Rosso de Montalcino. Now, the notes on this are it's ruby red with violet hues. It's got good spices and nice oak, well-structured. It's very mellow. The tannins are extremely mellow, and it's a great Sangiovese with um, a lot of fruit, very long finish. Uh, the thing about when you have like 100% Sangiovese, it's just that grape has is very vibrant. Uh, and uh, in the Tuscany region, you know, if you go to Italy and you go to Tuscany, you'll find that, that that's like the uh, prominent grape that's available there. Um, the good part about that is, is that uh, they do tend to, it's a memorable finish on most of the wines. Uh, you'll find them in Chianti's and things of that nature. This uh, estate, uh, the uh, Col d'Orsio, is, this is their, their, their flagship wine is the Bruno de Montalcino, which, Brunello actually, which most people, uh, you know, really, really enjoy. The Brunello has become an incredible wine crossing over from uh, Italy to just about everywhere in, in the world. But uh, the United States, is, I've noticed, has picked up 
on the Brunello and probably one of the most asked for wines when asked for an Italian wine next to Chianti's. So just something to note. The, uh, the vineyard is situated on the outskirts of the hilltop village of Malpocino in the Tuscany region in Siena province. And the state has a long and very rich winemaking history dating back, ready for this, to the 1700s. I have to say, you know, uh, you know, we boast here, you know, uh, the 70s. Right? You know, we talk about Napa Valley in the 70s and, and all that. Um, but, man, I tell you, you go back, especially in Italy, and the rich history that you know, Antonori back to 1600s. I mean, it's family upon family, generation upon generation that continue to, to make wine. It's amazing to me. And uh, with that rich history, yeah, you do find that the wines are, have such great characteristics and the varietals are so fantastic um, from the different regions and appellations of Italy that uh, it becomes very enjoyable wine to discover. So uh, let's see what we've got here. Um, oh, and the average price, by the way, if you want to find this wine, this is the beauty of it. It's $20. I particularly rate it 92 points. It's fantastic. The great Tuscan red. It's a great value price at 20 bucks. Again, if you're out and about and you want to try uh, an Italian wine, one if you've never tried one before, fantastic idea, great one to go with. Um, if you're looking for just a really good, nice, full-bodied red, another way to go, and uh, you're only spending $20 on it. So in comparison to what you spend $20 for uh, everywhere else, this is really, really a fantastic, great value price to go with. Okay, so on to my question of the night, which I see is going to strike up a lot of uh, interest in a lot of people. I'm noticing that with the emails coming through and all that, and some people talking in the chat room. Um, let me tell you what I've got here. I see some emails coming in on it. Let's see. First one is from Burgundian62 of Kinabunkport, Maine. I hope it's not cold there. It usually is. Uh, it says, Stu, enjoying your show immensely. The most expensive bottle I ever bought was a 2001 Chateau Lafitte for $600. Wow. <laughs> Man, I tell you, the wine does get up there, especially the French. My son was born in 2001, and I celebrated by buying the bottle. I planned on opening it up on his 21st birthday and enjoying it with him and family. Thanks, and I'll continue listening. Well, that is a major bottle. Chateau Lafitte, I mean, anyone out there that is not aware. The French uh, hail the Lafitte uh, Chateau as probably one of the uh, premier winemakers uh, and chateaus that you can get wine from. And they're always well known when people, if you see, listen, if you watched any movie in the past, I don't know, 60, 70 years, uh, anytime anyone has mentioned any really expensive bottle of wine, usually it's a Lafitte. Most of the time you'll hear someone talk about a 1982 Lafitte, which, you know, is just, 
they're bantered about. Uh, there are very few of those available uh, just in general. But you know, you hear everything from um, when they go to auctions, somewhere between 12000 and up. You know, it all depends. Uh, but they, they fetch a, a high price for the Lafitte's. So, in fact, uh, having a nice Lafitte at 2001, I can tell you that if you keep that until he's 21, let's see, it's only nine years. So another uh, 12 more years, uh, that wine will age beautifully, and that wine will probably taste fantastic when you open it up uh, and enjoy it with your 21-year-old and the rest of your family. So good choice, excellent choice. Uh, that's fantastic. A 600-mile, wow. And you pay 600 for it, so I can tell you 11 years from now, uh, or 12 years from now, that's going to be a lot more than $600. That's definitely for sure on that one. So uh, I want to thank you for your email. I want to thank you for your compliments, and it sounds like a great plan. Okay, next one is from Sake41 from Japan, and it says, wow, this is a great show. I'm glad I found it. The most expensive bottle I bought was a 1996 Petrus, man, God bless you. I paid the equivalent of $1,000 American. Uh, I was at a party in Tokyo. Well, that explains it right off the bat. And um, I had just gotten a promotion. Okay, it was a very good wine. I will recommend the show to all my friends, and good night. Okay, well, <laughs> Saki41. Uh, well, thank you first and foremost for your email. Uh, secondly, the uh, Petrus. Again, very well known for being expensive bottles. They usually go for about $1,000. They range, of course, depending on the vintage. Um, they are phenomenal wine. Uh, and um, uh, Japan and Tokyo, because of the fact that they import a lot uh, to bring in you know, wines from all over the place, I can imagine. And that's not really, I have to say, the $1,000 isn't a uh, shocking price because that's probably, for that bottle, depending on when you got it, uh, about the right price, most definitely. Um, I'm just going to take a, a peek into the chat room prior to me um, answering this with another question. And let's see. Kim talks about South African uh, wine. Um, let's see, South African American, excuse me, and farms in the South. Uh, let's see, usually buy wines for about 15 bucks, but you have had some for $150 bottles. Okay, well, yeah, hey, that would constitute a uh, probably a really good bottle and a really good occasion. Kim, I'm going to ask you to probably chime in on what the occasion was to spend uh, 150 uh, oh, the champagne. Uh, I got you. Okay. Very easy way. Definitely. Right up in that alley. Um, let's see. What else? I've got another one here. Let's see. From Penelope 3 from London, England. And she says, Stu, love your show. This is the first time I am responding. I bought a 1998 Pomerol. I can't remember the name, but it was fantastic. I like your videos. Thanks. And cheers. Well, Thanks, Penelope, and uh, thanks for your compliments. And that is a great choice. Here's the thing. Um, Pomerols. Uh, those are, not unlike uh, Margot's, phenomenal, phenomenal uh, blends, red blends from, uh, from the Bordeaux region. 
Um, a lot of times, it all comes down to, like anything else with overall wine in France, it comes down to um, vintage. And some vintages are worth more than others. You will find the strange thing that I've heard many you know, customers and clients say to me over the course of time is how come uh, a 95 is, you know, more expensive than a 98, but a 2000 is less expensive than a 95. Okay. Bottom line is the vintages, the, you know, the soil in Bordeaux, the terroir, as we call it, is, uh, can be over the course of time, each year to year, and from chateau to chateau, and vineyard to vineyard, very volatile, very different. Um, so the product that's produced out of it, when you're blending uh, a Merlot and a Cabernet and a uh, Grenache and a um, Petit Verdot, whatever's being blended in to, make the, um, to make the wine, the, the Bordeaux, because of the volatility, of the um, vineyards and the different soil for you know growing the different varietals, um, some of the product that's produced year to year changes. The taste changes. So they have a good year, and let's say 95 is a fantastic vintage, and that particular Pomerol, that particular Margot, that um, Saint-Emilion, whatever, is great. And because of the chateau and the cachet that they have, as we mentioned earlier about the families in Italy, that you know they've been doing it for hundreds of years, so have the families in France. So uh, in kind, that's what happens. They're able to charge more for that particular bottle than they would for an earlier year or a later year vintage because the vintage the, the grapes for the Merlot were not as fantastic. They had a, a flood. They had, um, you know, a windstorm. Whatever it may be, it was that's what it was that caused that vintage to not be as good. Thus, they can't ask as much. So that's why it's it's interesting to note that when you're buying a, uh, let's say, a Bordeaux, and you're spending a, a fairly decent amount of money somewhere, let's say, and when I say decent, let's say. Forty to fifty dollars and up, because that's really where you're looking at. Um, you will notice that one vintage, one year um, is better, and it could be the following year's vintage. And you think to yourself, well, if I go by that, then the earlier year should be more expensive than the later year, and that's not just not the case. So, having said that, uh, let's see. I also see that. Um, one of bottle of Opus One. Good for you, Kim. I'm noticing that in the chat room, Kim was talking about a bottle of Opus One. Probably up there in my top ten as one of my favorite wines. Outstanding wine. Uh, and again, something made here in the States uh, that I find comparable on many, many, many levels to some of the best French winemakers, the best Italian winemakers, and so on. So uh, it really holds up. It's you know new world, but that holds up, you know, fantastically to any a lot of the, the major um, old world French winemakers. And yeah, with Opus One, you're looking at you know 
probably going right now is closer to the 190 and 200 a bottle. So depending on when you had it, that's approximately, which probably spending anywhere between 165 and uh, almost 190 uh, for that uh, that Opus One. So good tasting, good stuff. You're a very lucky person that you got a chance to try that. Um, let's see. Got another one here. Um, well, I'm going to tell you what how I did this. Um, I bought a 2002 Rubicon, and it was fantastic. It was a fantastic year, great bottle. Um, the whole purpose of it, and again, everybody, I, I want to know when you're writing in to me the occasions. So, for instance, you know, the 96 Petrus, uh, that was because of a promotion. I want to know why when you got it, when you tried it, and you bought it, what was the motivation behind it, what, you know, what prompted you to, to do that. Because a lot of times in a situation, certainly <laughs> like uh, Sake 41, uh, you know, you're at a party and you're celebrating something, and uh, the opportunity to buy a bottle arises, and you think to yourself, you know, this is the occasion. This is the, this is the one I'm going to do it on, you know. In addition, you know, the gentleman that bought the Lafitte, the 2001, son's born in 2001, certainly a, a wonderful opportunity and a great idea as to why. And, uh, you know, and keep it. I think the sentiment about it, about keeping it till he's 21, is a great idea because, you know, that wine is going to taste fantastic. So that's what I want to know. Um, I'm delving into when you bought it, why you bought it, and, uh, you know, give me, some, give me some feedback. I also know people talking about, uh, Kim's talking about Penfolds, Grange. That's a great bottle, fantastic Australian wine. Penfolds on, on, the, on the top end, just to make a note on that particular, uh, those particular wines. On the top end, make great wines. I, the bottom end wines, and when I say bottom end, I'm talking about, let's say, the value price wines. There's just so many in the, the price range that you can go with, especially for Australia, that uh, I would choose over them. But on their top end, you know, 25, 30, 40, 50, and above, and then, of course, the Penfolds Grange, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, a higher-priced wine, um, a boutique, exclusive kind of thing. Um, that's, that's great wine, you know, and it seems to me like a lot of the winemakers, what they do is they go out of their way to make uh, a, you know, like one really good wine if they can. They try to make one really, really good outstanding wine that they can charge, you know, uh, more color than arm and a leg for. And I happen to think that that, uh, that, that happens to be one of them that they, that they uh, do a really good job with. Um, the Rubicon, the 2002, it was a five-year wedding anniversary, and that's why we went that route. And I thought, you know what, Rubicon uh, is two great winemakers, Coppola, uh, and um, in the Napa Valley or in California. It's, and the thing I was going to say was it's mostly Cabernet Sauvignon. And I go back to that argument. A lot of people say, well, you know, it's got to be 85% uh, or it can't be considered a Cabernet, which is true. However, uh, you know, I defy people to tell me they can taste the Petit Verdot 1% and the, um, you know, Cab Franc, uh, 3%. And a lot of people out there say, oh, yeah, well, definitely, uh, you know, it just, it, 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 part of the expression bastardizes the Cabernet. It does, you know, it's not a pure Cabernet. But you want to know something? You know, to me, one, real difficult to make the difference and the discern the difference and taste that particular 
varietal in it when we're talking about 1% and 3% and 5% and 7% and all that. Um, and two, it gives the Cabernet uh, a bit of uh, more character because the Cabernet was great. There's nothing wrong with it as, as a varietal and the grape, but it has a particular taste to it. And when you kind of add other varietals into it, um, it has the structure already. It has the body already. Uh, now it just gives it um, a little bit different nuance, and that's what I like about uh, the Rubicon. Uh, not unlike the Opus One, in uh, again not the same price, but not unlike the Opus One as far as blending and the type of grapes and things of that nature. So um, let's see what else we've got here coming in. Yeah, there's a lot of people talking about wine here. I've got one from um, Chow. Just it's Chow forty three. Wow. Okay. And everybody with the numbers forty. It's interesting. Um, Chow forty three from Hong Kong, and it says, "I'm listening to your show. I really enjoy it, and I have bought a um, Opus One, which is what we were just talking about. Wow, bought an Opus One. It was imported, uh, and I bought it online. Hmm. Interesting. Okay." Uh, also, a wedding anniversary, uh, 25th. Hey, good for you, 25 years. That's wonderful. And really enjoy this wine. I recommend it to anyone who wants to buy an expensive bottle of wine, but get as much out of it as they can. Well, ciao. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, interesting. Opus One. Wow. That seems to be a, uh, one of the, the popular ones on the radar here. Anyone who gets a chance to try that, I, I will, yeah, I'll recommend that to anybody in Opus One because you'll never have a bad experience. I don't think there's ever been a vintage, and I, you know, that's going out on a limb there saying it. I don't think Opus One has had a, a, a year that they've had really a bad one, a horrible one that you could say, wow, I wouldn't even drank that one. You know, you could forget about it. It's not worth this, uh, you know, what they charge for it. But let's see. Um, special occasions. You, see, Kim says she usually buys champagne. Um, and White Star, which you know what, there's nothing wrong with White Star, good stuff, you know what, uh, Moet makes a good champagne, they've had a, a reputation for a long time as being a, you know, one of the premier champagne makers, um, I'll tell you there's a couple other ones, I'll throw, that, throw this in here since we're talking about champagne for a moment, um, we're still in the wine, uh, to me there's a couple of them, the uh, the one that kind of holds up, there's one called Billicart, which is, I'm going to send this out to you. I want you to go take a look. This is a, a uh, assignment for you. There's one called Billicart. Uh, they make one called Billicart Salmon, and they run about the same, maybe a little bit more on average than Moet. However, there are more uh, bubbles in the in the champagne, so the mouthfeel and the taste is fantastic, spectacular, uh, much better. You detect a much better taste to it because they're able to in, infuse, if you will, more bubbles, and they do it however they do it. Uh, it's like getting the cheese, the milk in the in the Velveeta. I don't know what they do, but it's some sort of special secret. But however, Billicart, B-I-L-L. E-C-A-R-T-E, from France, uh, in the Champenois uh, region, and it is 
Um, fantastic. That's good. The other one is, um, well, to go in this, I'm trying to think of the same price point. Mm, you really can't. Because then, you know, you can go into the Laurent Perrier, which is real nice. You're spending about $80 a bottle. Um, even the rosé is, uh, champagne is really, really incredible. Great tasting. Um, just the right amount of a little bit of sweet. It's dry, but it's just, I don't know what it is. It's like a hint of sweet on the end. Um, even for the most discriminating champagne drinker, uh, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, you know, Dom Perignon to me, I know uh, Kim was mentioning about Dom Perignon in the chat room. To me, it is not, um, I think it's overrated. I, I think it's, you know, it's okay, it's good, it's good champagne, but man, I tell you, that price point that you're paying for it, uh, you're paying for the, you know, uh, the history is basically what you're paying. Again, it goes back to the cachet that the chateau or the champagne maker has created over the course of time. But it doesn't mean that automatically it's better and worth, um, you know, the amount that they, they ask. A 1995 Krug, um, if you want to talk a great, about a buck fifty, uh, but a great bottle of champagne, a 1995 Krug, man, you know, you got a, you have probably one of the better bottles of champagne. And again, you, you tend to spend, you can spend a bit much for it. But if you're a champagne, you know, lover, if you really enjoy it, and, you know, uh, and it's for the right occasion. Um, there's some people I've talked to, you know, any occasion, any day, <laughs> it's the right occasion for a good bottle of champagne. And that's, you know, that's to each his own. But uh, let's see. Um, what else we've got here? Looking at the uh, emails. Yes, yeah, somebody, look, somebody chimed in here. Uh, all right, I like this. From uh, also from Tuscany, from Italy, um, Sanjo. Wow. Okay, so they got the Sanjo as their screen name. Excellent. And it says, um, still one of the best bottles I've tried uh, is an American bottle of sh of wine. It's the um, and then he said I I paid uh, fifty dollars American for it. Uh, it's the Franciscan Magnificat. Wow. But I tell you, a lot of people have gone out there since I talked about it, and I've gotten a lot of emails over the course of time that they really want. It's a great bottle of wine. It's only like fifty dollars. I mean, and I say only because when you compare it to some of the other wines that we're talking about, uh, people spending six hundred per feet and a thousand per truce and all that. I'm not. I'm, I'm certainly not putting up against those by all means, but uh, I could tell you that uh, yeah, that's a great bottle. It says yeah, I, I, I tried it recently, and upon your recommendation, well, thank you. Uh, Sanjo and uh, and loved it. Thought it was great wine. Uh, thank you, and I will continue listening to your show. Well, Sanjo, very good choice. Uh, I'm getting the word out there. I, I probably should have stock in, in Franciscan for all the times I've mentioned <laughs> their wine, but I, I've been so impressed by that blend uh, and have thought over the years that uh, well worth the uh, kudos to them in making it. And again, one they haven't had uh, a really bad uh, vintage. So uh, you want to get out there and try good wine? Go out there and try Franciscan Magnificat, M-A-G-N-I-S-A-F-I-C-A-T, Magnificat. All right, I think I'm looking around here. Um, what else we've got here? Well, I'm going to give you an update on a few things here. So 
One moment. First and foremost, I want to say, uh, I want to thank everybody because everyone's been getting the word out. Uh, I've been getting more and more emails week to week. Uh, it's fantastic. And um, I'm looking to work with a variety of different great winemakers that will be coming on the show shortly. Um, the other thing is that uh, I, I appreciate the emails about the wines that we're recommending here. And also the fact that a lot of people have been going to some of the wine uh, festivals that I've talked about over the course of time. I, I have to, you know, week to week it, it changes, and sometimes I'll, I'll bring up about uh, some of the wine festivals, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'll talk about the, my uh, Earth Through the Grapevine uh, news updates. Sometimes I don't. I'm just trying to keep it, uh, change it up a little bit and, and, and keep the show fresh because, again, I don't want to do everything exactly the same way every single time. So, um, you know, it keeps it interesting. Um, I have been asked a few times, hey, you know, I was asked, I was listening for the update or I was listening for the, uh, you know, the festivals to go to. And, and also you'll notice that sometimes I'll do a restaurant pick of the week. Sometimes I don't. Again, I'm just trying to keep things fresh and different. So uh, I have seen your emails. I have heard them. And by all means, uh, you know, I, I will continue to do them. I just do them, you know, sometimes at a kind of staggered pace. So just something that you'll, you'll know about when I'm doing the show. The other thing is, um, yeah, the recommendations. I have to say I'm, I'm real happy about it because I've been getting great feedback on some of the wines that I've been recommending. A lot of people have been going out there who have been telling me, hey, I've been spending on average $25, $30, $40, $50, $60 dollars a bottle of wine, um, and um, I found some of the varietals and the recommendations you've made at the 10 and 12 and 15 to be really, really good. So that's, that's the thing. I'm trying to get everybody out there to think about, um, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money to get a great value on a, a price of wine. That midpoint is, is great for a lot of different things. And Kim, by the way, you make a good point. Uh, mid-priced is good as gifts too. Uh, it definitely gives people uh, something to, to go for uh, and, and try within their budget. And... Um, yeah, so, so think along those lines. Uh, you, it doesn't have to be expensive to be good. That's the one thing I've always said. Uh, there are great, great wines, as I mentioned. You know, here we are talking about a couple hundred dollar bottle of wine and thousand dollar bottle of wine, and they're all good. Nothing wrong with them. However, um, you can spend here the guy from Hong Kong that went out and bought a fifty dollar bottle of Magnificat was extremely happy with it. So uh, you'll see that. And these are wines also that, you know, you can keep. That's the thing I always you know, tell people. You know, the amazing thing is, is that people uh, have this impression, false as it is, that California wines, oh, they don't keep, I can't keep them, you know, I can't, they won't stay in my cellar, they don't age well, and so on and so forth. Not the case. Not the case at all. There's plenty of wines out there that will age and will get better. Uh, you know, I've done this with a lot of different uh, clients and customers and people who have emailed me. And you know who you are who you emailed me about this. Here's what I said, the argument about uh, California wines not aging well and so on and so forth. I said, you know what, go out and buy two bottles of the same wine. Um, for argument's sake, buy a, you know, buy a, um, 
any Napa Valley, you know, in that $40, $50 bottle price range. You know, get a, get a good bottle, really, really nice bottle, whichever one you, that you find that you like. And I made some recommendations before, but we'll just go on that. One of them, drink now. Enjoy it, okay? Um, and I did this a few years ago. This is something that I'm talking about I've done before years ago. And I said, one of them, hold on to. Hold on to it for, you know, three years. Hold on to it for four years. Because there's people out there who have not, they want to hold on to wine, um, but they find themselves, you know, they get anxious, they want to do it, they want to drink it, they want to, you know, they want to experience it. So I say, you know, force yourself, if that's the case, to hold on to it and see. You know, so this way it's a experience um, that you can kind of look back on and say, okay, you know what, I actually can see the difference qualitatively and to my taste buds between the wine that I had two, three years ago when I, you know, bought the bottle and the wine that I'm opening up now, three years later, there is and can be a qualitative and we'll call it palliative difference as well. It's just something that you have to experience, and once you do, then you realize it. Is it so with all wines? No. Uh, there are wines that you could keep for, you know, uh, three, four years, five years, and it would be great balsamic vinegar for you. However, um, you know, you've got to experiment. Just got to do it. That's the only way to find out. You've got to experiment out there. You've got to try different wines. I'm always telling everyone, go out there, go think outside the box, try different wines that you wouldn't normally try. Um, you know, train your palate. Give your palate something different. You know, it's great to be able to buy a wine that you like and over and over and over again be, you know, satisfied with the results. Nothing wrong with that. But your palate will only taste that wine. If you want to and you really want to experience things, go out. You don't have to travel to Italy, though I always suggest it to travel. It's great. You can travel to your store, local store, retailer. You can go online if you want. You know, some people feel comfortable in doing the due diligence online and find out about stuff. Go and do it. I suggest it highly. You know, you still can buy wine online. There's been that argument, oh, well, the heat and coming from and, and, and going through different uh, environments, you know, a lot of times you get a bottle and it doesn't taste the same as it would if you went and bought it there. Absolutely. Let me tell you this. It doesn't taste the same, the same bottle when you drink it in Italy as when you drink it here in the States. Just what it is. So knowing that, uh, you, your mindset changes automatically because it has to. So you can buy wine online and have a good experience. And you can buy it at your store and have a good experience and try different wines. That is what I'm going to leave you with tonight. So um, I'm just seeing if there's any more questions. Again, uh, of course, to reach me, knife is 1-646-381-4860. Email me at info at Stu the Wine Guru. If there's any questions that you have, uh, I've gone through most of what we have here. And I will, the other thing was, I was asked if I would to read emails online that people have sent me. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I do that, you know, every so often because of the fact that yeah, I have a, a question of the night and a lot of people chime in from all over the world. It's a great thing, and I really appreciate it, and that's what I want. But I will read and have in the past your emails with questions that you have pertaining to um, anything, anything wine-related. So, just want to let you know that. Well, I think
think that's going to be it for the show tonight. As always, if you have any questions in the future about the show, you can email them to info at stewthewineguru.com. Of course, you can go to my website as well at www.stewthewineguru.com and click on the link uh, for my wine articles, my videos, and, of course, to listen to archived wine talk shows. As always, I say, if it's time to pour the wine, it's time for Stew the Wine Guru. Drink up, good night, and good wine.